saw the iron claw and uh the detail that i didn't know was that uh you know carrie von eric was going to participate in the discus in the 1980 olympics had jimmy carter not pulled us out and so uh <laughs> jimmy jimmy carter comes off as a real heel in the in the movie i bet I had a friend in high school whose dad was a rower who was going to be on the 1980 Olympic team and basically never forgave Jimmy Carter. So I wish I was a rower. Yeah. Is that the, you, Looking you know, back, you're, yeah. you're built for it. I'm built for it. And yeah. it's like, you know, you're in great shape and it's a lot of sitting. <laughs> I didn't see, didn't see that coming as one of your, your arguments in favor. It's a lot of sitting. Yeah. A lot of it's sitting. still, it's a lot of effort though, too. A lot Jeff. of effort, a lot of effort, not, not discounting the effort, but at least you get to sit while you're doing it. So okay. I think that's... I suppose. I, I could have ended up at an Ivy League school because that's that's who ends up going. Right, you know, that's these, true. You Although know. then you would have also ended up in some kind of weird secret society. Are you in a weird secret society? No, but I didn't row. I'm, that's oh. what I'm saying specifically. Like I'm just thinking of the... What's his name from uh, uh, Dawson's Creek? Josh uh, Josh Jackson? Is that the actor's name who played Pacey? Anyway, the, the movie The Skulls. Do you remember that? I'm from. I, I never saw it. It's ringing half a bell. Yeah, the, that's that was all about. He was a rower at Harvard, and there was a whole secret society thing going on. So based on that one character in one minor forgotten movie, I assume anyone who rows in the Ivy League is in a secret society. Yeah, I mean, I could probably use a secret society. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, someone, mm. you know, you know. Listen, right now, I murder somebody. I'm on my own. Right. That's true. You're not you know, you're not connected like you would would be if you were part of a secret Ivy League rowing society. That's exactly what I'm saying. Mm. That. But yeah. I could have been a rower. I'm like, I, dude, I'm like six three. I got like the long lean. Well, mm-hmm. I got the long build. Right. I used to have yeah. the lean build. The adjective, Jeff, is lithe. You're lithe. very you you're you were in your prime quite lithe. I I was the lithiest. <laughs> you were drawn lithe back then. I was I was drawn lithe indeed. Gamble on, fellas. Gamble on. (laughs) Welcome again to Gamble On weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com i'm eric raskin us bets managing editor and media director and i'm joined by my co-host us bets senior analyst jeff edelstein this week on gamble on we're going back to our two steadiest ongoing legalization beats new york i casino and california sports betting plus we'll explore a question far more important than what new york or california does can rob gronkowski improve to one for two lifetime on 25 yard field goal attempts yeah, also coming up in the pod, we're going to welcome Roto-Grinders, Scores and Ozzy. Yeah, he's, he's a jack-of-all-trades for us over here. Will Priester, a.k.a. the Chief. We're going to be talking about NFL Wild Card Weekend while Eric tries to prevent the Chief and I from talking Korean baseball. But first, as always, plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Before we get into this week's three podcast news stories, a quick note on what is actually, in some regards, the most notable industry news of the week. Vermont sports betting has launched. It went live at 12.01 a.m. Thursday. The citizens of Vermont can now bet legally through FanDuel, DraftKings, and Fanatics, and 
that's about all there is to say about that. Uh, so now on to our podcast news stories, each of which should give us more to talk about than Vermont. We start in New York, where two bits of news related to iCasino legalization have trickled out. First, uh, Jeff, you talked to Senator Adabo's office on Friday, and they said a new online casino bill should be introduced either this week or next. The expectation is that it will include the legalization of iLottery, include funding for casino workers and problem gambling, allow as many as 20 licenses, and set the tax rate at 30.5%. Additionally, on Tuesday, the Sports Betting Alliance, a trade group made up of FanDuel, DraftKings, Fanatics, and BetMGM, released an advertisement calling for New York legislators to legalize iCasino. The ad focuses on New York's budget woes and how iGaming can solve them without the state needing to raise taxes. Uh, one separate but related story, Maine has entered the iGaming chat with the state's tribes backing bills to expand gambling to include iCasino, historical horse racing, and more brick-and-mortar casinos. Uh, Jeff, we keep hearing predictions that no new states will legalize iCasino this year care to push back at all on those predictions? Any thoughts on the latest incremental movement in New York? All right, I'm, I'm putting New York as a coin flip, minus 110 yeah. either side. Okay. Uh, that's, where, that's where I'm at. Uh, it's, will the governor include it in her budget? That, that's the only question. If she does, I, I'm, I am guessing that Adabo will have the horses to get it across the finish line. Uh, Maine, I don't know. This is, it's, uh, it sounds like it's not going to happen anytime like now, Right. But it's I'm glad that they got the ball rolling. Um, yeah, I just think there's something here with New York. Like, you know, Adabo, you know, he, he he knows what he's doing. Obviously, he got, you know, the sports betting through. This has been you know, he, this has not been a quiet thing he's been doing. I'm you know, I'm, it's a budget thing. You know, there's you know money to go around. I think if, if the government puts it in a budget, they'll get this through. Um, you know, I, I, tell you, I do have to laugh at the, you know. I feel like we need like you know theme music here for the sports betting alliance. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I see the sports. Bet I didn't. I didn't know who the sports betting alliance was until no. I clicked on who we are. I mean, it's like three kids wearing a trench coat trying to get into a bar. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, uh, can we just call this? We're we're the sports books. We want to bring Icasino the sports betting alliance. It's so silly. Yeah, but I guess that's 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 America for you. I've never been part of an alliance. I'd like to be part of an alliance before I die. Yeah, well, I could see. I mean, maybe uh, you know, uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> what, what kind of? I mean, like a, a a real. I mean, this alliance. I mean, it's a silly. It, this is the silliest thing I've ever heard of the sports betting alliance. Right. It sounds so like you know big and scary. It's just the four sports books. Yeah, I, ne <laughs> I I never went on Survivor when I was uh, young and physically mm. able able to do so, but that would have been a chance to join an alliance. That's right. That's right. Did you ever try? Right. Did you ever send a, you ever nah, a tape? Never, never made a tape. I thought about it. Never never went that far. I've been thinking, you know what? My, we, we, used to, we, we don't watch it that much anymore, but we did, and my son liked it. My son is he'll be turning 15. We have the idea, I have the idea, to start sending tapes in for him now, saying... Mm. I'm 14. I know I'm not eligible, but I'm coming. And they said another one next year. Like, here uh -huh, I am again. Uh -huh. like, you know what I'm saying? That's like, a good you know, idea. Really, like, it's not a bad idea, right? Can Can I help in that effort somehow get behind it and, and be part of your Get Your Son on Survivor Alliance? I just really want to be part of an alliance, Jeff. I mean, I guess. I mean, are you good with editing software? Uh, audio. Close. You could, <laughs> if, you, if you could do audio, you could do video, I'm sure. Probably. We'll okay. <laughs> uh, getting back to New York iCasino. So I'm I'm in a similar spot to you in terms of where I'm setting the line here. Maybe a teeny bit less optimistic than you, just because 
I guess you can never look too stupid betting the no on any legalization of any form of gambling in a given year. But yeah, New York is certainly looking increasingly possible, if if I still wouldn't quite call it likely. Obviously, yeah, the budget will have most of the info we need when that comes out. But yeah, the way I see it, I'd still probably say an underdog to legalize this year, but it's close. And certainly when combined with the other states like Maryland, the states that have a chance, I have to say overall, I would think over 0.5 states legalizing iCasino in 2024 should be minus money at this point. I think it's more likely someone gets there than no one gets there. I tend to doubt it'll be Maine. Uh, Things move slowly there anyway. Tribal interests make it complicated. Governor vetoes are a concern, as we learned with the first uh, sports betting bill they passed. Um, So I I don't think Maine is very serious right now. But but yeah, in in New York, certainly the advertising angle they're taking is smart. Uh, In terms of getting public sentiment behind it, this is the right angle to play. Hey, would you rather we legalize iGaming? Or raise your taxes and, and yeah. or cut social services. Pretty pretty right. smart angle there. Sure. Yeah. All right. So if New York iCasino legalization has some uphill climb elements to it, that's nothing compared to California sports betting, which looks more and more like a pipe dream every day. And once again, the Sports Betting Alliance is involved in this story as well. Uh, <laughs> this week, the SBA issued a statement saying the commercial operators would not be supporting the ballot initiative currently proposed in California by Casey Thompson and his group. Specifically, the SBA expressed opposition to the idea of cleansing offshore operators and making them part of this. On Wednesday, tribal leaders Victor Rocha and James Siva held their latest web broadcast ragging on the Thompson effort, saying it is, quote, destined to fail and that it could serve to hurt the chances of a future sports betting bill succeeding. Siva said on the webcast that he thinks either two years or four years is realistic for California legalizing sports betting. Jeff, should the Thompson group just scrap this effort at this point, or or is it worth pushing through and seeing if they can get the signatures? And would you say opposition from the major commercial operators to this was inevitable? Uh, well, I mean, they started, they might as well finish, you know, it's not going to happen, but you know, I mean, you know, it's nice to try. Okay. Uh, I don't know. The sports betting Alliance does strike again though. Um, <laughs> were, you an, were you, were you an arrested development fan? Um, I have watched the original seasons, not the Netflix revival, but I've watched all of the original seasons. Once I binged it during COVID, I had not mm. seen it prior to that. I would describe myself as, uh, I liked it. I can't claim to be anywhere near a super fan like you are. Yeah, well, uh, Job was a member of the well for a time he was kicked out, but he was for a time he was a member of the Magicians Alliance. And oh right. Motto, I think their motto was "We demand to be taken seriously" or something to that effect. <laughs> right. Uh, which is again the, the sports bay lines is killing me. Uh, all right, California. <laughs> uh, listen, I, you know, uh, in in his uh, straight to the point newsletter today, uh, Steve Ruddick, I think he said something to the effect of, "Sports betting is not happening in California until the tribes say so." Right. Right. And that's that. And and until the and the tribes, are, you know, and Jill Dorson said this to us, you're our colleague. They are looking they, they do not look at this stuff the way we look at this stuff. Right. Uh, they, they are not thinking in terms of, you know, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year. They're thinking in much longer terms. Mm-hmm. They're 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 not going to do this until they're ready and they're not going to get ready until they could all sit down and agree. There's a billion dollars to be made out here you would think that like money would eventually move the needle maybe it will maybe it won't i i i'm getting close eric to instituting a moratorium on talking about california sports betting on this podcast 
mm, I understand the sentiment and the the emotion behind that, but at the same time, the fact that California is still kicking around ideas uh, and and will be for some time probably that kind of gives us something to do, gives us something to cover. We, we, I don't, I don't know that we can turn our back on it just because we find it kind of annoying. I think in in a sense, it's our, it's our lifeblood as uh, reporters in this industry. Now that as more and more major States do legalize and there are only so many intriguing States left out there. You know, on family guy, when they go to the weatherman on the news forecast, like, you know, what's the weather today? It's going to rain. And then like, they cut right back to uh, like the the desk. That's basically, that's bit. That's basically where. Ask me anything about California. <laughs> uh, do you think California is going to legalize in two years? No. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. So it's not a moratorium. It's just a moratorium on you expounding on your answers regarding well, I just, California. I, mean, I, I, I really. We talk about this till we're blue in the face. Nothing is going to happen until the tribes say so. True. But and we we're still not, we're st- not close to that. Okay. So all right. So so my my asking you questions about whether you think something positive is going to happen. I can put a moratorium on that. Okay. I think we still have to address it every time there's there's news regarding California. Okay, fine. But you certainly it, argue about this. Okay. <laughs> right. Cuz that would that would violate the moratorium. It would. It yeah. would absolutely. But in this instance, you know, once you have both the tribes against you, uh, at least the power the players among the tribes, right. right, and the commercial operators, yeah, I, I actually would say it's time to cut your losses and, and just abandon this thing. And maybe, you know, Casey's group gives itself some chance of still being involved by saying, OK, OK, you, you convinced us we're, we're out. Let's let's all work together to, to discuss this and, and maybe find some common ground and bring this together in the next few years. Um, but you know what I would love to know? And it, mm. this is, it's an unknowable uh, what I'd love to know. I I would love to know what the, what the number is on the online illegal sports betting market in California. Yeah. I love to know what that number yeah, is. Yeah. I, I too would, would love to know it's, it's gotta be massive. I mean, like how let, let's say that the, the four years prediction is right. And that puts us in 2028. How sad and pathetic is it that when when you step back and look at, you know, PASPA fell in 2018, it will be a full decade later and Californians still will have offshore books as yeah. as as their only well, offshore books or or Sebastian Maniscalco. Those are yes. those are their options 10 years after PASPA. It just there's a lot of blame you, to go have around. Have you watched the show? Have you watched the just show? The, just I, the first I episode. Up. I didn't come yeah. back. No, just yeah, the one. Yeah, that was enough. Yeah. But you, you, uh, your uh, your article on it did very good traffic. Oh, did it? Yeah, it was. I think like the the most clicked sports handle uh, article uh, of the of the last several weeks. Yeah. So there's that. Sure. So if sure. you want to rag on it, if you want to check back in, Maybe binge, check binge back the in. rest Maybe. of the season and watch it again, uh, or, or write about it again. Yeah. Maybe I will. Maybe I do will. it for the clicks, Jeff. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. Our last story uh, this week. Get excited! It's back. Kick of Destiny 2 is coming. Uh, During last year's Super Bowl, Rob Gronkowski missed a live 25-yard field goal attempt wide left, and FanDuel customers all got $5 free bets in their accounts anyway because actions no longer have consequences, I guess. FanDuel is bringing the promotion back for this year's Super Bowl, but with a twist. Customers have to predict whether Gronk will make or miss his kick. 
and those who guess correctly will win their share of $10 million in bonus bets, so probably around a $5 bet if they're lucky. The commercials this year include a long-haired Gronk wandering the desert in a depression since missing last year's kick, Carl Weathers showing up to coach Gronk, and we haven't seen him yet, but John Cena playing a villain who is fading Gronk. Jeff, handicap the kick for me, analyze the impact of a proven winning coach in Carl Weathers, and tell me your thoughts on the promotion and FanDuel's decision to tee it up a second time. All right, I, I'd say Gronkowski, I'm going to put him at minus 800 to, to nail this one. Wow, uh, okay. No way. I mean, it was the win. The win played a role last year. There's no way he misses it twice in a row. It's possible. Uh, Carl Weathers, brilliant casting. Uh, and thanks to Jessica Wellman over at SBC, I'm I'm back down the Arrested Development rabbit hole. <laughs> that I just can't stop. You know, he played uh-huh. an acting coach with a penchant for Stu, of course, on the show. And, uh, you know, you got Stu going. And so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's a good cast. I'm curious to see if they go the more Rocky route, which I'm assuming, or if they go, you know, the Apollo Creed route, uh, right. as opposed to the Rust Development route, I'm sure. I, I would so assume if they, so, yes. If they, if, if they throw a bone to Rust Development, I, I will be thrilled. Uh, and listen, you know what? I'm, I'm all for this goofy shit. I mean, you know, the, we, every, this industry takes itself so fucking seriously all the time. I, I, we're allowed, this is sports betting at the end of the day. I think we're allowed to have a little fun. So yeah, you know, let's 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 go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I actually forgot he was on Arrested Development until I saw you exchanging tweets with Jess Wellman about it. It's a, the way that my memory works. If I watch something once, no matter how much I enjoyed it, I have almost no recall. I need to have watched something multiple times. Yeah, no, I'm the same one. Yeah, so I, I, so I was looking up his IMDb where uh, I see that he was also on two episodes of The Shield, which is one of my all-time favorite shows, like probably a top five show for me. But I only watched it once, so I have absolutely no recollection of, of him being on that. But yeah, Carl Weathers may be the goat when it comes to coach characters. I mean, spoilers for Rocky Three: he reversed Rocky's loss to Clubber Lang. Uh, right. And and what happened to him in Rocky Four was not a failure of coaching, certainly. Uh, no. And uh, even more impressive, spoilers for Happy Gilmore, Chubbs Peterson took a guy with no golf experience and molded him into a champion. So, uh, yeah, the track record is there. I do think uh, we're, we're leaning into the Apollo Creed, not the Arrested Development character that Carl Weathers played. You know, is Carl Weathers – if uh, this is this uh, this is like a Bill Simmons article, like, uh, you know, the Ringer article to be written. Mm-hmm. He's got to be one of the more underrated actors of our time. Not, not, not in talent level. Right. Just in, like, sheer, like – He's always he's he's been around forever. Yeah, and like, I I feel like he was fifty years old in Rocky. You know what I mean? Like, right, I don't right. Understand. He looks yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, he has one of the most enviable careers that you look back and what even got to headline his own movie one time. Action Jackson didn't That's uh, right. didn't That's go right. great, but Sharon Stone as his co-star, young pre-prime Sharon Stone. I mean, uh, yeah, no, he's uh, he's had a great career. You know who I always think of. Um, for like the career I envy, just be just playing to all of my preferences. Uh, do you know who Larry Hankin is? Does that name mean anything to you? Did he play Kramer? Wow, good job. Yes, he played the fake Kramer on right, uh, right. On, on on the show within the show on Seinfeld. So he appeared on Seinfeld. He had a recurring character on Breaking Bad. Those are my two all time favorite shows. He also was the upstairs neighbor in Friends, which is another show I rather enjoy. He right. was in Billy Madison, which is my favorite comedy movie. Uh, he really uh, bit bit parts in things I love. Larry Hankin is the king. What do you think of Seinfeld? And like, there's uh, apparently they're going to be doing something about like 
redo redoing the show again, like you know, redoing the ending or something. Like, yeah, I remember. I remember seeing something about that. And now I can't remember. Was it? Real. Was it? Because and, and Seinfeld, he was on stage. He was doing a bit. But was he, was he? I thought I heard read someone speculating he was just teasing like a Super Bowl commercial or something. Well, I don't know, but I mean, they're going to do, something is going to happen, you know, as a result of all. I'm curious to see what they do. I yeah, I mean, they kind of did it already with Curb Your Enthusiasm, but they got their redo, so, so that's why I don't know. I'm skeptical. That was so good. It was. Um, I suppose I should uh, give my own handicapping on the kick uh, quickly. Um, So it's a 25-yarder. I think right now, in my own personal physically washed, bad back state, you center a ball on a tee for me from the 15-yard line. You know, give me good conditions, no wind, no slippery turf. I'm like 25% to make it with no practice. Uh, So, you know, let let me... You're, you're taking the opposite side, or you're backing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me? I'll take the opposite side. Oh no, I oh so 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 I'm getting I'm getting three to one. Yeah, you're just gonna show oh. up in a football field today and like kick a field goal. Yeah, I'll I'll take that action. All right, all right. Let's uh, <laughs> we we really need to organize this. I get to stretch, but I don't get to train. That's uh, yeah. I think that okay. All right. Uh, um. Well, and if anyway, Gronk. Uh, 15 years or so younger than me, a former pro athlete, having trained for this twice now. I wasn't ready to make a minus 800, but I was going to say something like 75-25 to make it. But let's say it is 75-25. Game theory then enters the equation here. You know, will more than 75% of FanDuel customers predict that he makes it? If only like 20% are predicting no, then your free bet, if you go on that side and it wins, is four times the size of your free bet on the other side. The fact that I'm analyzing it this much means FanDuel is correct to do the promotion again. They're getting their money's worth and then some. There, there's only one way that they can really piss me off with this, because I agree with you. It's very fun. Why not? Let's have some fun. They can piss me off if they give bonus bets to everyone, whether he makes or misses. And and that wouldn't surprise me. You know, he makes it, and if you picked Gronk to make the kick, you get a $4 bonus bet. But if you picked him to miss, you also get a $4 bonus bet. Don't pull that shit, FanDuel. Actions must have consequences. That's a motto. <laughs> yes. That's the motto for our alliance, Jeff. <laughs> it's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Don't be sad that the NFL regular season is over. Be happy that the NFL playoffs are beginning, and with them come playoff best ball, playoff DFS, the culmination of season-long future sweats, and much more. Joining us now to talk all things NFL playoff gambling is the co-host of the Food for Thought podcast, an analyst of both NFL and NBA at Roto Grinders. You know him as the Chief Will Priester. Will, welcome to Gamble On. Eric, thank you for having me. So excited to come on with you guys. Uh Feels like a pretty good time too, right before Wild Card Weekend, and uh, we. I, I'm not. I promise, I'm not going to get into N- NBA and MLB. I'm going to stick to the script here. But <laughs> so many other things coming down the pipeline, so I, it's it's a good time to to be in the space for sure. It's it's one thing to have NBA on your mind right now, that makes sense. But to have MLB on your mind already, that that shows devotion. The, the fact that it's January and you're thinking MLB a little bit. Yeah, I mean MLB is actually. My bread and butter, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Jeff and I, I think we connected during, like, what I'm going to call the decimation of American sports, and we connected through KBO, oh, and I will correct. say, 
Jeff, I'm still dabbling in KBO to this day. Nothing has changed. So that, that's <laughs> actually one, one of the highlights of my year is KBO coming back because I get to dig in and uh, I still know all the players, the names, and I've just kind of kept that going. So anyway, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole with KBO. But that's how me and Jeff can. I will. I'll go down the rabbit hole. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I wish DraftKings Draft, Draft doesn't offer DFS contest anymore. That's that's where I would. That's where my interest. It was. I would have my alarm set. I my alarm would go off at five twenty in the morning. I'd make sure my lineups and my players in the lineups. I'd go back to sleep. I'd wake up around seven seven fifteen in the morning, and I'm in the middle of a sweat. Yeah. I got near Korean baseball. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. I. I it, it, it was it was it was what a time to be alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think that the listeners are probably counting on me to dig us out of this rabbit hole. I th- that was fine. Forty five <laughs> seconds of KBO rabbit hole is acceptable. Uh, but uh, let let's talk some uh, NFL. Will I'm an Eagles fan, so I got to start with an Eagles question. How in the blue hell is this god awful football team favored in a playoff game right now? Now I, I know that Tampa is mediocre at best, but. I mean, watching the Eagles play the last two weeks, especially, they look like a bottom five NFL team right now. So, Will, do do you see value in Tampa plus three or or is there something I'm missing here? Some reason to believe the Eagles can suddenly reverse six straight weeks of sucking? Uh, I I think the values of Tampa, they're at home. I just I can't I can't go against them right now. And I mean, you know, maybe maybe we'll get some big money shifting this thing later in the week, like perhaps some sharp money comes in but even for me uh i do consider myself a sharp even though i'm not gonna have you know five hundred thousand dollars in this game i i think the value is in the money line like mm. yeah i mean the the point there don't get me wrong but whenever i can get someone that i feel confident is going to win at home and they're giving me plus money i i can't give that away so for me i, I love you know I, I love plus three like i think that's incredible i'm probably going to take them both for what it's worth but I, I think Tampa wins outright. You know, when I looked over everything from the season, and especially the DVOA numbers, even though maybe it's a little antiquated, maybe it's not. I, I don't know what side of the fence you're on. But when I look and I see that the Eagles' defense is like one of the worst of the weekend, not 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 Monday, the weekend. Right. They're one of the worst. Tampa's middle of the road, but I just I can't bet against Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield and Todd Bowles and their ability to get some pressure. They are going to pressure this offensive line a little bit. I I, I can't give that away. I, I, th- I think Tampa wins this thing outright. Yeah, I, I, as an Eagles fan, I hate to say it, but I, I, I think you're right. I mean, but at the same time, is there a case that these are actually the two worst teams in the playoffs right now, that they both got lucky to draw each other, that maybe any other team, other than maybe the Steelers, would, would be favored against either of these teams? Yeah, I, I would say so, and and I think that speaks to how bad the NFC South was. Now, I'm not going to mm. get into that either because I'm a Panthers fan, so I'm, <laughs> okay. I don't have a whole lot to say about the NFC South other than the whole division was just rough this season. But I do think, in a nutshell, the best team came out of there. And I'm actually – secretly, I'm happy that Mike Evans gets another playoff game because he's just continuing to add to this Hall of Fame career, which is why I honestly think they're going to get out of this thing, uh, you know, unscathed. When I, here was, here was the, here's where I draw the line. Okay, you know, you struggle against Arizona. They've been a, Arizona's been a fairly tough team all season anyway. Like, they, you know, they've had some sneaky good wins against other, other good teams. When you roll into New York and you play the Giants, and I'm not saying Tyrod Taylor's bad, but when you have to have it 
and you just can't get it done. They don't lose by three. They get demolished. Yep. No way they roll into Tampa and sit this send this team packing. I, I just I can't see it. All right, let's go. Let's go to the AFC for a second. Uh, Kansas City. You know they've they've looked lost all year. You know I, I think. Uh, they face a Miami team that we know has been able to put some points on the board when healthy. You know, Miami's dealing with a lot of injuries. Do you think McDaniel, is he going to be able to game plan his way out of this road game in zero-degree temperatures? And, you know, I think last I checked this morning, I think it was four points Kansas City was favored by. I, I'm, you know, a three-point, you know, the home favorite, you know, you, you give a few points to the home team, blah, blah, blah. I got to think if this game was in Miami, though, if Miami won that game against Buffalo last week, and if this game was in Miami, I think Miami would be like, I think it'd be completely flipped. I think Miami would be like four point favorites. I think it'd be a huge swing. Uh, I, so I think yeah, the home field, the Kansas City weather, all that plays a role here. But but where? How do you see this game going? Well, let me say right out of the gate, this is probably one of my better ones of the week. Miami Miami plus four is absolutely the right play here. Like I don't. What has Kansas City done this season to show us that they're capable of running away with any game? They didn't do it against Denver. They didn't do it against the Raiders. They barely ran away against anyone. And, you know, barring some some meltdowns in in that game in Germany, Miami probably walks out of there with a win. So I don't don't think the Chiefs are suddenly going to, you know, start blowing teams out. They haven't done it all season. Let me also say this actually was started happening last season, but we all ignored it because they won a Super Bowl. I don't know if everyone re- remembers the middle of last season, somewhere around five or so, well, let's not say middle, early, early mid to the mid midpoint of the season. After five or six games, we're like, well, what's going on with the Chiefs? Do you remember that? Patrick Mahomes is playing bad and throwing interceptions, and they had about the same roster. They just happened to get out of there with the Super Bowl, and everybody thought the sky wasn't falling. This started last season. I digress. This season, it's starting to show up. And so lucky for them, they're at home. Sadly for Miami, they lose last week and, and go from two to the six seed. How awful was that? I still think Miami's the better team here. They haven't done it consistently on the road against good teams. They didn't do it against the Eagles. They didn't do it against Buffalo. Uh, all, all these good teams. They did beat the Cowboys at home with five or six field goals. I get it. But I just don't think the Chiefs' offense is in, in anywhere near the same class and if they get behind in this game, how in the world are they going to catch up at all, even with the zero-degree weather? I trust their defense. I trust Chris Jones. I don't trust his offense. I, I think Miami plus four is probably should have been plus three at most. Mm. Plus four is too much, I think, in this game. Yep. So looking looking ahead a, a little bit, not just focused on the wild card round games, but sort of some futures, maybe some conferences. Is there – any value in a long shot to win either conference right now in your eyes? Like I'm seeing the Rams as high as 22 to one, the Browns as high as 14 to one. Those two jump out at me a little bit. Do you think either of those are decent plays or, or is it silly to invest in anyone other than the 49ers and Ravens this year? I think for me, ironically, I think there's value in both. Here's why I will say that Baltimore doesn't want to see Cleveland right before the Super Bowl. Because that, that's when I think they would see them, if Miami wins. Now, if my, so because the way they've got this thing, Miami's a sixth seed, so they would actually see Baltimore next week, the next week if they won. Right. If Cleveland wins, and, Miami, and I know this is all speculative, but this is why I think there's value in both. Cleveland may not have to see Baltimore until the AFC Championship. 
that's literally when they may see them if they went out. And ironically for the Rams, I think that's the one team in the NFC that San Francisco doesn't want to see because they see them all year. I don't think San Francisco is afraid of Dallas. I don't think they're afraid of Detroit. They're definitely not afraid of Philly. Right. I think there's real fear if they have to see the Rams. And if because they're going to see them early. If the Rams win this week, they see them coming off of a bye week. Christian McCaffrey's coming back. How's his health? How's per- I, I I think that's the one team in the NFC the, the, the 49ers don't want to see. And if they do, those tickets could be looking really nice come second week of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't done any uh, playoff best ball drafts yet, but I've been playing through in my mind which combinations of teams I would want to stack. And uh, I hadn't really thought too hard about like a Rams Ravens uh, route going because obviously you can't do Niners and Ravens or you won't make it out of the first round. Right now, but now you're you're selling me on maybe maybe the Rams are are that uh, wild card team to to load up on that could go on a run. Yeah, sidebar here, if if I may, mm-hmm. if there was one, if there were two teams that I would probably stack for best ball, it's chalky, but you just gotta think they've got the the easiest path, and I'm, I'm in quotations here. It's probably Buffalo and Dallas because of where they're seated. Mm-hmm. They've got the clearest, easiest. I think their path is easier than San Francisco and Baltimore for what it's worth. And, and that sounds crazy on paper until you look at how it breaks out. If Miami wins, then Miami plays Baltimore, and then Cleveland goes to play Buffalo, which is a little bit tougher. But And then if, if the Rams win, San Francisco has to play the Rams. Mm-hmm. If Dallas wins, they end up playing, you know, Philly or Tampa. You see what I'm saying? Like they've just right. got this path being the two seed that is in their favor this season. Interesting. Let's let's talk about DFS for a minute. Uh, NFL, you know, is the, is the process of putting together winning lineups in the playoffs different for you? You know, because I mean, like I was looking at, you know, I've been playing around with the you know the DraftKings lineups already, obviously. Uh, and it's hard to put a lineup together. Well, it's easy to put lineups together. I find it hard to put lineups together that really seem to differentiate themselves, right? Uh, I think the pricing is a little looser. I think, uh, you know, there's not going to be as many clear values. I think a lot of people end up going, you know, in, in similar directions. I mean, is there any any tips, tricks, you know, after for doing this for all these years that when putting together DFS lines playoff time that you, you lean on yourself? I do, and I don't. I don't change my process much because here's my my the simple rule of my process is this: What story am I telling myself about the weekend? Because sometimes I think, in, look, we're all analytical guys, and I am, and I, I dig into all this stuff. But at the end of the day, game flow still dictates half of DFS. We might not think about it that way, but the game itself. Dictates, dictates the results. Case in point, if I think Dallas is going to get out to a big lead here against Green Bay, then I have every incentive of the world to attack Jordan Love in this Green Bay passing game because they're just going to be throwing all game long. And so while Dallas may get out to a lead early, Love and the receivers could absolutely light this thing up in the second half. And my example is always, I call it the Blake Bortles effect. How many times, seven, eight years ago, did Blake Bortles have negative five fantasy points in the first <laughs> half, and by the end of the game, he's got 30 
because that team was so bad. He just had to keep throwing and keep running. And that's fantasy points. So that I think that's the difference between the sports betting that sometimes we don't, if we try to carry it over, we make mistakes. Tell yourself a story and build for that story. And in the end, I live with the results of how I think the stories are going to go. So, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you, you think there's a little bit more value with, you know, being that it's win or go home now in teams that may, you know, you know, if you think a team's going to fall behind early, that that's, I mean, you know, we you know, the Bortles effect, I guess, you know, but it's, it's even more pronounced in the playoffs is what I'm hearing. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think it's way more because teams don't have time to play around because the other team in the playoffs, typically teams aren't going to take their foot off the gas unless, I mean, they're up 50 to 10 or something. In the fourth quarter, if it's 28-24, that other team's not slowing down. Yeah, they may run the ball to run some clock, but they're going to keep their play-action game going. They're going to keep their short-passing game. They're going to keep their intermediate game. Maybe don't take as many chances downfield, but they're still trying to score points. And so the other team has to combat that somehow, or they have to keep throwing. They don't have time to turn around and play the three yards in a cloud of dust game. So teams that I think are going to be behind uh, are teams that I like to target in the playoffs because that's where all the fantasy points comes from, in my in, in my opinion. Last last point for me about DFS, I do think the game of the week is Cleveland-Houston. To me, that's the one shootout both sides can put up 30 points in, in the right situation. Both quarterbacks have a little bit or enough gunslinger in them and enough weapons to get it done controlled environment, not having to deal with the elements. Like to me, that's the one game this weekend. If I said, Hey, I'm going to stack a game. I'd stack that one and leave the other ones out. Yeah. It's, I, I, I tend to agree with you that I hate the fact or love the, I'm not sure if I hate or love the fact that it's the first game of the weekend. Right. Because like, you know, you're, you know, you stack that game up all of a sudden, you know, you got no maneuverability, you know, the rest of the way, yeah. but yeah. I, so yeah, I'm curious to see where ownership lands. I, I think I, I, I'm curious to see where the ownership, are people going to like go hard at it or are people going to stay off of it because it, it, you know, restricts their maneuverability. The, the, the mental part of DFS, I love this game and I also hate this game. I'm just like you. I do think this could be the highest scoring game. But man, players want instant gratification, don't they? Yeah. They don't want to wait until Monday or Sunday for those winnings. They want to stack this game and look at all the money that they're making early and then watch it all burn to the ground as everybody else <laughs> has production. I don't know why. It's a it's a story as old as time. DFS right. players want instant gratification. This is probably going to be the highest owned game of the week. Just got to well, get different in a couple spots. Yeah, and what's interesting also on the flip side of that is that the Eagles-Bucks game will probably be the lowest owned game of the week. And there yes. is definitely, definitely a path for that game to get pass heavy and pass crazy. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. On both you know, sides. On both sides. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. All right, I got to put some lineups. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll wrap it up so Jeff can get to lineup building. But you, you've gotten me sufficiently fired up, Will. I'm, I'm excited for all these games, except maybe not so excited for Eagles Bucks. I'm kind of dreading that. But the rest of it I'm excited for. Great talking to you. Uh, in case anyone doesn't follow you on Twitter, he is at ChiefJustice06. Anywhere else uh, people should be going to uh, to keep up with you, Will? Uh, that that's my main stream. Unless you want to hop into Roto Grinders Discord and uh, hop in Chiefs Prop Shop, that's where I'm talking all things props all day long. Not going to go down that rabbit hole either because I'm talking about tennis and hockey and all kind of stuff that we don't need to discuss today. Okay, but we will we will have you back on for a deep dive on KBO soon. I'm sure. Oh yeah, can't wait, can't wait. <laughs> Thanks so much, Will. Great talking to you. Same here. Two men. Two men. 
$10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. We'll get to bagels and locks shortly, but first, let's update our betting bankroll. And there's a lot to update, so I'll try to move quickly. Um, First, NFL futures that officially got graded with the completion of Week 18. We had two bets on most touchdown passes. You had $20 on Lamar at 75 to 1. I had $50 on Tua at plus 600. Both lost. And of course, we were just betting the wrong markets. Lamar is going to win MVP. MVP. Tua led the league in passing yards. Oh, well. Lost 70 bucks there. Most rushing yards. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) Okay. I won't even say the names. We lost 70 bucks on a couple of bets that didn't didn't quite pan out. Um, I went big on Mike Evans under 65 and a half receptions. I risked $240 to win 200, and he hit the over by like week 13 or 14. I also went big on the Colts under six and a half wins another terrible assessment by me i thought they'd be like a four win team and they went nine and eight i lost us another two hundred dollars on that a bit of redemption with anthony richardson under twenty six hundred and a half passing yards but i only made a small bet we won a hundred dollars this next one i still say was a great bet vikings to make the playoffs at plus 165 a few weeks into the season absolutely would have won if kirk cousins hadn't gotten hurt but instead we lost eighty dollars thankfully your bet a few weeks ago on the Seahawks to miss the playoffs, dug us about halfway out of this hole. Great bet. Uh, You resisted the urge to hedge. We won $320. As for last week's new bets, I took five Moneyline underdogs. Two of them won the Titans and Giants, so that made it profitable overall. We won $39. Your golf parlay on Morikawa and Auberg to both finish top 10. Morikawa did. Auberg finished somewhere around bottom 10. We lost $50 on that. But our adjusted line of Michigan minus seven and a half over Washington was a winner. We profited $104 on that. So our graded futures lost us 240. Our new bets last week won us 93. So for the week, we lost $147. We're now down by 5,332. But the amount we have on hold in futures is significantly reduced down to 1720. So that leaves us with 2948 available to bet with this week. And before we start, well, actually, I should uh, interrupt myself to ask if you have anything to say about any of those results that I, that I just ran down, Jeff, any, any comments, analysis, et cetera. No, the Lamar thing pisses me off though. I mean, that's that, that, there's a lesson there. If you're going to bet on somebody at long odds to throw the most touchdown passes, you should also probably fucking bet on them when they got the MVP. <laughs> yeah, although, you know, his MVP odds never got super attractively high. Like, he was never the favorite until the end, but he was kind of always, like, in the 1,400, 1,800 range. He, I don't think he ever got really higher than, like, know. plus 1,800 at any point this season. So I, 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 don't, I don't know the answer to that, but I bet he did. I, I think, you know, the, the, the market, I don't, well, I don't know. I can't say for sure, but I, I, I'd be even still. If you're going to bet somebody to delete the right. touchdown passes, it probably makes sense to just sprinkle a little bit at MVP. All Lessons right. learned. Lessons learned, exactly. Uh, all right. So now, before we start placing new bets, a quick listing of all our NFL postseason futures that are still live, just so we know what we already have. We have twenty dollars on the Dolphins to win the Super Bowl at plus three thousand. Yeah. It's not a bad price. They're about plus two thousand now, but it ain't winning. Yeah. We have a hundred dollars on the Eagles to win the NFC at Whoa. plus three thirty. <laughs> Terrible price, and they have no chance. Uh, Twenty-five dollars on the Lions to win the Super Bowl at plus eighteen hundred. Not happening, yeah. but yeah, so-so price. Yeah. Twenty-five on the Forty ers over the Bills in the Super Bowl at plus twenty-two hundred. That's certainly That's, live. I like that. Yeah. And twenty dollars on the Rams to win the NFC at plus four thousand. You got a great price there. It's, a, yeah. it's still a long shot, of course, but uh, good price. Anything to comment on with any of these, Jeff? Yeah, you know the Rams closed eight and one. Do you realize that? 
Wow. So what? So what were they were like two and five? Three and six. They were three and six. Three plus eight. Plus, I, I, uh, I just no, lost it. Or were they three seven. and five? I don't know. Three and five. Man. I, okay. It doesn't matter. That they right. closed. They, they, won they closed strong. Is the point? Yeah. Something like that. You know. Yeah. Right. I don't know. I. I. It, I I mean, I, I, it's my bet, so obviously I'm, I'm, I've, you know, I'm shaded here. But it seems like if it's – I think I, – I, I don't know. They seem to be very dangerous. I wouldn't want to play them. No. Yeah, that's what uh, the Chief was saying about uh, they're the team San Francisco doesn't want to see. You got a good yeah. price there. They're, it was 40 to 1 and, and when you bet it, and now it's something like 22 to 1. So, uh, all right, let, let, well, let's get on to the new bets, and I'm up first this week, and actually that's a perfect setup for the first bet here. Now, in real life – I pounced on the Rams plus three and a half against the Lions as soon as it opened. That's long gone, but we can still get plus three and we can get it at even money plus 100 at Fanatics slash points bet. As you were just saying, the, the Rams are the hottest team, certainly in the NFC wildcard round. Um, they're as healthy as they've been all season. They have a great coach. They have a quarterback who's been there before. And the Lions have to play with the weight of a million years of disappointment on their shoulders. I'm not saying the Rams should be favored, but I do see this as a coin flip game. Could go either way. Three points is too many. I just don't see the Lions blowing them out. I don't hate the Rams on the money line at plus 145, but I'll play it a little more conservative and take the points. Let's bet $100 to win $100. Rams plus three. All right. Uh, I'm going to take the over in the Browns-Texans game. I have it at 44 and a half, so 110 to win 100. Uh, I just... I like the number. I think I think this game could fly over the over. You know, the Browns are playing like, you know, lunatic football, uh, just, you know, passing and passing and passing and turning it over also at a pretty high rate, True. which leads to points. And, you know, the, the Texans with C.J. Stroud, I mean, Jesus, you know, at any time from anywhere on the field, you know, he, he, he can put the ball in Nico Collins' hands for a touchdown. So right. I, I, I'm just I, I'm just going to take the over here. I, I just I just. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I should be closer, like fifty. Yeah, I, I like it too. I think that's the right side. I think probably the the only logical way that it, that it doesn't get there is with the Browns defense versus C.J. Stroud that he that he suddenly turns into playing like a rookie. But all season he has defied all those expectations right. that he's just going to crack and crumble and play like a rookie. So if it's the C.J. Stroud we've seen all seasons all season, then yeah, the over is definitely the right side. Um, so for my next bet, um, out of 17 games this season, any guess, Jeff, how many Jalen Hurts scored at least one rushing touchdown in? I mean, what do you have? 15, 13? Uh, I'll say 13. Uh, not quite. You overshot it slightly, but in 11 out of 17, he's, I think he, he had 15 rushing touchdowns, but they came in 11 right, games, right. Uh, out of 17. So that's 65% of the games that he scored a rushing touchdown. Now, yes, it is true that the Eagles are an abysmal football team right now, and it's possible they'll never make it into the red zone on Monday night. But in fairness, it's mostly their defense that stinks. Uh, the offense has been shaky with some terrible play calling, but it's it's not quite what I'd call awful. Anyway, most books have Hurts to score an anytime TD against Tampa at minus 140 or minus 145, and that's about the right price based on the season he had. The ESPN bet is giving us minus 118, and I'm taking it, especially with him having a minor injury to the middle finger on his throwing hand. That probably adds a couple percentage points to him running it in rather than throwing it in when they get close. So... Like I said, minus 118, clear value there. Let's bet 118 to win 100 on a Hertz TD and root for a tush-push opportunity, uh, which I have taken to calling the tuchus-puchus, uh, 
digging mm, into like my that, that, Yiddish roots. My my sure, son sure. has dubbed it the anal ganal. I like that as well. <laughs> that's, that's 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 the teenage boy right there. Right, that's indeed. The, the teenage boy, the, the so, anal ganal. The good. anal ganal, yes. So I, I, do, yeah. I like Hurts to score, and I also like Josh Allen to score in the Bills-Dolphins game. I'm not yeah. going to bet that one individually, but he has scored a touchdown in six of the Bills' last seven games. So great chance he takes one in again in frigid Buffalo weather. The Hurts-Allen parlay, is plus 247. So let's do another 60 to win 148 on that. All right. I, I My next two bets are wild parlays, but they're small. So you okay. just let me have fun. Okay. Uh, have some fun. Sure. First one is 25 bucks at plus 3285 at FanDuel. So 25 to an $821. Okay. It's a, it's a five-leg touchdown. David Njoku, Isaiah mm-hmm. Pacheco, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, C.D. Lamb, Mm-hmm. David Montgomery. Okay. Anytime scores. I don't even need to explain myself. <laughs> no, I don't think so. They all logically have a shot at scoring a touchdown. And I think, you know, and again, in these playoff games, you know, as, as, I, as, just as I was discussing with the Chief during the fantasy thing, you know, this is, you're, you're, you're dancing with the girl. You're going to dance with the girl you brought to the dance? Is that what I'm trying to say? You know what yeah, I'm trying to da- say. Da- dance with the one who brung you, I think, is the... Is so, the uh, there you but, go. yeah. So that's how I see it. Okay. Is there, obviously, a five-leg parlay for big money? Four out of five is the most likely outcome here. Which of these five makes you the, are, are you the least confident in? If you had to predict which who's going to let us down, which one is it? Njoko. Okay. Just because he has, like, the easiest matchup, the clearest path the hottest you know uh, he's the one that worries right. me though and they play I mean, and they play first so the whole first, so that would kill first. the yeah, bet yeah. right out of the gate and then each yeah. of the other four scores just to like twist the knife yes okay yes. all right guaranteed yeah um so for my last bet this week i'm going back to the well of laying money on boxing favorites there's not huge value on this one but there is some value i'd make arthur better about minus 600 to successfully defend his light heavyweight championship against Callum Smith. FanDuel makes him minus 430. So it's not enormous value, like when Ryan Garcia was around minus 400 and I said he should be like minus 1,000. So we'll go a little smaller here. Not the full 430 to win 100. Let's just risk 215 to win 50. It's a way to score a small win to help offset my likely losses on my NFL bets. Uh, Good. I will not be offsetting my likely losses. Uh, (laughs) You'll be adding to them? I'll be adding a $25 to them and another uh, parlay here, plus 2072. This one I got at Caesars to win 543. Uh, it's a six leg. <laughs> who I th- it's who I think is going to win each game. Okay. All right. It's, it's simple as that. Browns, all money line. Browns, Chiefs, Bills, Cowboys, Rams, and Bucks. Okay. Who makes me most nervous? The Rams. Because er, you, me, and everyone else thinks the Rams are going to win this game. Right. So there the Rams the Rams and the Bucks are the two official underdogs among these and the other four are all favorites. Yeah. 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 I think the Brown I think the, the Browns I, I I'm I, they're a better team, they have a better defense. The mm-hmm. Chiefs and Bills, I, I'm not sure. Well the Bills are better than the Steelers, obviously. I I, right. I think the Dolphins are superior team. Just these weather games, I mean it's gonna be fucking cold in both these places. Right. So I'm gonna go with the home team there. I think the Cowboys will have the you know, they're gonna outlast the Packers. You know the Rams are the Rams, and uh, yeah, the Bucks and Eagles. I tell you, that's a sneaky game, man. I think that game could. That, I think I said it in the interview. I think that game could get real wacky. 
Yeah, it 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 certainly could with the Eagles defense as bad as it is. I guess the 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 X factor that um that Will didn't comment on in terms of like, you know, digging in on on the Rams with the three or the Bucks with the three points uh is is just the health of Baker Mayfield that if he's like I think he's got shoulder issues, ankle issues, something like that, whatever. If if he's banged up enough, that helps maybe explain why the Eagles are favored. If he just like can't get anything done, they did score three field goals and no touchdowns right. against Carolina. So I guess maybe that's the one reason that, that but other if, if he's remotely healthy, he is gonna put up good passing yards against this yeah. disaster of an Eagles defense right now. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Now it is time for bagels and locks. Uh, last week, we both won with the Giants. Amazingly, we're two for two when our locks line up. So, uh, Jeff, your record stands at 10 and five. Really damn good. Kind of tragic that you haven't been placing a bankroll bet on your lock every week. Um, and I'm nine and six, which would seem great if you weren't sitting here at 10 and five. Uh, so anyway, uh, I, I'm thinking we'll keep doing these through the first two rounds of the playoffs. And, and after that, there aren't enough games to pick from. But but we'll do it uh, two more weeks. That work for you? Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I'm good with that. OK, so. It's probably going to be kind of obvious that I am going Rams plus three. I already explained why. I actually think there's a clear, correct side on four of the six games. I like Packers plus seven and a half. I like Bucks plus three. I like Dolphins plus four and a half. They're all lock adjacent in my view. But uh, give me the Rams getting three points in Detroit as my stone cold can't lose. Bet the farm. Thank God I don't have a farm to bet. Lock of the week. What do you think I'm going with? I think you're going to go with the Rams plus three. I'm not. I'm going over 44 and a half in the Texans. Ah, okay. All right. I really don't know you at all, clearly, at this point. <laughs> you, you were setting me up for what seemed like an obvious conclusion, and I blew it. No. Now, this Rams game, I'm telling you, this this is I, – I, everybody likes the Rams here. I, that's that's It's really starting to make me nervous. I, yeah, I guess, but I don't know. Uh, what was the one a couple weeks ago when we, we had the Rams uh, – yeah, uh, against the Saints, and it was the very clear public side, and the Sharps were all saying the opposite, and, That's true. and we were right. That's Every true. now and then, uh, the square side is the winning side. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, the Chief, Will Priester. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein, and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to USBets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling, and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And before we go, a quick dedication. I want to dedicate this week's podcast to Doug Seeley, beloved cat of our friend and colleague Mike Seeley. Doug died this week at the far too young age of six. Uh, my heart goes out to Mike and especially his kids. I'm not a cat guy personally, and I couldn't be even if I wanted to be due to horrible allergies, but I am a pet guy and an animal guy generally, and I'm a huge fan of giving pets human names, especially humdrum human names like Doug. <laughs> Great name for a cat. R.I.P. Doug Seeley. We dedicate this episode of Gamble On to you. And with that, Jeff, please take us out. All right. You know, I, I did a pretty big piece this week over at Sports Handle on a deceptively difficult question to answer. Um, are Americans bad at sports betting? Uh, I talked to a bunch of people and Alan Bowden over at EKG, you know, others in Crycheck, I, I, he, he had the best answer. You know, basically to what he said is to the pros, you know, be there on either side of the counter, like the Captain Jacks or the Jeff Bensons of the world. Yeah, we, we do suck at sports betting. Uh, but like to analysts like Ryan Sigdala, Craig Hallam, or like somebody like Brendan Busman at B Global, most of Americans are in this just for fun. So what's the big deal if we, we or they 
are betting with our heart or just with the hope for a big payday, right? You know, to Byron, it's impossible uh, for these two sides to meet. You know, they're playing different games, speaking different languages. Um, you know, but here's the thing. Sports books, you know, even the soft, mushy ones, they're in this to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're all offering basically the same product, and they're all hoping that we do kind of suck. But if a company can come in and offer something strictly for that fun set, strictly for the people who are in it for fun, well, that would be something, you know? A place for bad or carefree betters to feel at home, if you will. Something different. Uh, yoo-hoo, underdog, waiting to see what you guys got up your snout, you know, when you come launching in North Carolina. Uh, I think I, I, I have no insight as to what underdogs are going to be offering. But I think that's, if, if, it's, if, if my brain is in the right place, I think that's where it's headed. I think it's something that is just simply more fun and directed at people who are in this just for the fun. In the meantime, as always, gamble on. <laughs>